free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. All right, Christian Israel, Pastor Eli James here to Zero Folk Radio. And this is part five of our series on the anti-Yahweh article by Rabbi Zimmerman on his website, the I I Saw the Light, uh, what is it called? The I Saw the Light uh, article uh, on uh, on the net, and I just can't remember the full name of it, but uh, it's been linked uh, previously in in this chat area. So, oh, it's right. I remember now. It's I saw the light ministries dot com forward slash sacred names is the uh, article he's written, and so I'm just going to share what I have written in response to his his article, and so I put the link in the chat room, but I'll put it in here again for easy access for those in the Eurofolk Radio chat room. But I can't get on uh, Telegram. Uh, for some reason, my laptop will simply not access the regular Telegram channel. It'll only access the chat room. And I can't use the audio stream from the chat room. I have to get onto the regular channel. So we'll have to scrap that for this evening. So if there's anybody on Telegram, they probably can't hear me because I'm not ac- able to access the audio stream. So please go over to your folk radio if you can hear me. And uh, you know, we'll pick this up right here and now. Okay, so the history of the letter J. The history of the letter J. And the reason I'm discussing this is because Rabbi Zimmerman insists that the letter J and the J sound existed in Old Testament times, in Hebrew, in Aramaic, in Assyrian, Greek, Latin, etc. He insists that the letter J sound, the letter J and the sound of the letter J, as in John, has been around for all this time. But I can find absolutely zero corroboration of this claim from any other source on planet Earth. So it's clear that Rabbi Zimmerman is trying to pull the wool over the eyes of Judeo Christians who have been taught by their ministry that. The only name by which you can be saved is Jesus. And, of course, there was no letter J in Old Testament times or even in New Testament times. So they weren't calling him by the name of Jesus. They were calling him Yahshua. That's what they were calling him, at least in Hebrew and Aramaic. Jesus in Latin and Greek. No J, not Jesus, folks. That's a lie which uh, Rabbi Zimmerman has created in order just to confuse Christians on this point and to make them believe that Yahweh, 
is not the true name of our God. And Father and Creator, the whole point of this article is to try to dissuade you from believing that Yahweh is the true name of our Creator. Of course, it is the true name of our Creator. And because he's a Jew, and the Masoretic Jews have always been arguing against the use of the sacred names, he's just following in that tradition, but he's pretending to be a Christian. So a very sly tactic by Rabbi Zimmerman. And, but he's just a conventional Jew pretending to be something that he's not, okay? So I'm going to start here. History of the letter J, uh, for those of you who want to follow along, open up the uh, link to the article. And it's about two-thirds of the way down, the history of the letter J. And so this is uh, an article that I'm quoting from. Anyway, let's go over the history of the letter J and see how it went from being an alternative version of I to its own letter. Okay, so before there was the letter J, there was the letter I. And in Latin, it was called iota. I think also in Greek, Yota, even a, it never had a J. If it had a J in front of it, it was pronounced like a Y. In the year 1524, Italian Gian Giorgio, and Gian is spelled G-I. <laughs> Giorgio is spelled G-I. No J, folks. And I confirmed this with Giuseppe Vaffanculo, who uh, two weeks ago I was on his show on Speak Free Radio. And he confirmed there's no letter J in the Italian alphabet either. Because there was no J in the Latin either. And if there was a J, it was pronounced like a Y. As in Julius Kaiser. Julius Kaiser, not Julius Caesar. The sound that this new letter would make has another common way of being written. DG, okay, as in judge. Due to the influence that Latin and French had on Italian, the letter J was just another way of writing DG. But uh, there is no letter J in the Italian language. Maybe they borrowed it from other languages, but uh, there is actually no letter J, as I just explained to you. It's spelled G-I or G-E in Italian. So, however, back then the usage of J was far from common. So we're talking 1524. And it wouldn't be until much later that it would become as recognizable as it is today. It's unlikely he would have lived long enough to see his new letter become popular. So Gian Giorgio Trissino was the one who tried to insert the letter J into Italian. Much later in the 16th century, a Frenchman called Pierre Ramu was the next person to separate I from J. Back then, words that today we would spell with a J would have been spelled with an I. But this was only amongst a few French scholars. It wasn't until the 17th century that the letter J became common in English. And I have to stress, only in English. No other language actually has the letter J. If you read some of the older versions of the King James Bible, you will see the letter I, where today's version has the letter J. And if you have a 1611 version of the King James Bible, you will see that James is spelled I-A-M-E-S. Okay? I mean, this just adds absolute hilarity to Zimmerman's claim that the letter 
Y in yod heh vav is supposed to be pronounced like a J. It's it's a joke. Zimmerman is joking. He's toying with Judeo-Christians trying to get them to believe a, a really silly lie. But the joke's on the Christians, folks. The, jo- the joke is on the Judeo-Christians uh, because he is just making things up. Just like Nahash made things up when he seduced Eve. Okay, they have not changed their stripes or their tactics. So the question here is, what was Jesus' name before the letter J? Did you know that Jesus' name wasn't actually Jesus? When he was alive, the letter J did not exist. And his name was Yeshua. This name is the same place that we get the name Joshua from. Okay, and Joshua was pronounced Yashua, not Joshua, in in pre uh, pre English times, pre English times. Okay. The reason why modern English translations use Joshua and Jesus as two separate names is to separate the two to prevent people from getting them mixed up. So, Yashua, Old Testament patriarch Joshua of the tribe of Joseph. And Jesus, of course, Yahshua, being the Messiah. Same word, actually. Before the letter J was invented, to translate the Hebrew name Yeshua into English would have given you Jesus. They spell it here with a Y, but actually in those days it was simply spelled with an I. Although in Hebrew, yod heh vav Yeshua, so you could spell it either with a J or a Y. It would still have the sound of Y. This is what Jesus was known for as for most of English history. Most of the names we give people in the Bible are not their actual names because they're English translations, sometimes merely transliterations of their original name. The transliteration is an attempt to reproduce the sound of the name in the new language. But even in the early days, since the letter J did not enter the English language until the 1700s, it was still pronounced Jesus. Yahweh versus Jehovah, or Jehovah. What is God's real name? If you read Christian literature, there will be two names that God tends to be given. One of them is Jehovah, and the other is Yahweh. The reason why God seems to have two names is that his original Hebrew name has been translated differently. Okay? This is all about translations, folks. The original name, yod heh was pronounced Yahweh. And the there was a U, sometimes, or Yehu. But the uh, U is pronounced like a W. So it's really Yahweh. Yahweh. And then I think they just accentuated the last syllable to make it Yahweh. Okay, or possibly Yahweh. But I've seen it the three letters uh, Y H uh, Vav, Y H Vav, and without the second H. However, if you were to take the letters of his original name and turn them into Latin letters, his name is closer to Yehovah. Okay, so this is the, the Latin version. Because the Bible wasn't written in English, it can be translated in multiple different ways. And source of this article was uh, grammarhow.com 
forward slash when was the letter J invented. Okay, so you can go on the on the internet and search for when the letter J was invented, and they will all tell you it wasn't invented until the 1500s, 1700s. All contradicting what Rabbi Zimmerman states in his article. So these latter two explanations reflect standard historical linguistic scholarship on the matter. It is also clear that Rabbi Zimmerman is not one of the so-called experts that he complains about. In this matter, I would not call him an expert. So Rabbi Zimmerman says, beware of the so-called experts who say that the letter J did not exist until medieval times. Well, he's the one who's the so-called expert that is wrong. Let's continue. Okay, so he says, why name followers claim there were no vowels in Hebrew? Okay, and my comment here is, this comment lacks, lacks clarity. A, he misunderstands us. No one has ever said the Hebrew had no vowels. Our position is that the vowels were not written. This was done to preserve space, especially since the OT had to be laboriously copied time and again. Now here again, his article is confusing because is he talking about the written language or the spoken language? There are always variations between the two. And he doesn't make it clear which he's, which he's speaking, okay? The vowel sounds were known to the Hebrew speakers, okay? But not to Rabbi Zimmerman. But how could you write, read, or speak without vowels? Well, that's nonsense. Well, that's him talking. Yeah, there were vowels. There were vowels, but they simply weren't written down. Zimmerman is confusing the written language with the spoken language. No one has ever said that the spoken Hebrew lacked vowels. Back to Zimmerman. The archaeological discoveries of coins, etc., prove that there were vowels. Well, that's that's problematic because uh, sh show me an example of the coin that you're talking about. Uh, as far as I know, all of the coins that have the yod heh vav -Heh simply have those four letters. Okay? You can interpret those as vowels, but uh, I'm not sure uh, that he's actually correct on this point. As coins, being very small, for the most part, they limited the space. Now, vowels may be in the Latin, maybe in the Greek, but I need to see an example of a Hebrew coin that has those vowels, as he speaks of. Now, Dawid, or David, that does not require vowels. It's D-W-D, David. No vowels necessary. Everybody knows how to pronounce his name, all right, in the Old Testament Hebrew. The well-respected historian, he says, Josephus, who lived in the first century, said that during the time of the first temple on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies wearing the name of God on his headband and that it was four vowels. Well, now this is, first of all, this is irrelevant as far as whether the letter J existed at that time and how it was pronounced. That's irrelevant. But uh, the thing is, my comment here is, I wouldn't expect Zimmerman to know about this, but the YHW sounds doubled as vowels. yod heh vav -Hey, doubled as vowels. The W vowel doubled as a U. The H has <laughs> It automatically sounds like a short E. 
And the yod is a Y, and, and the Y can be uh, activated as a vowel, and, and, and depending on the position in the sentence. So, and then the I and the Y are interchangeable in most languages anyway, and certainly up until the Middle Ages. So the the fact that Josephus refers to them as four vowels is really insignificant that he's trying to make a big deal out of it. As in the uh, my back to my comment here. As in the French word "we," oui, O U I, which consists of three vowels, but is pronounced the same as "we" W E in English. In a similar manner, when transliterated into Greek, YHWH can be written and pronounced I A O U E Yahweh. <laughs> it can be it can be enunciated purely with vowels, folks. These are five vowels. I I A O U E, which is actually has the five basic vowels of just about every language. Although there's there's Strange iterations in other languages. The umlaut O is U, rather U, and the umlaut over U is U. So there are strange iterations of those five vowels that don't occur in English. Anyway, here is a more scholarly answer to this dilemma, false dilemma brought up by Zimmerman from Fred Moeller. Relatively modern Hebrew manuscript, manuscripts, for example, the Aleppo Codex, do have vowels, or rather vowel pointing, referred to in Hebrew as nikud. However, these vowel points were not created until approximately the 10th century A.D. Okay? The 10th century A.D. So again, Zimmerman is trying to pull wool over our eyes by quoting Josephus when he refers to the Tetragrammaton as consisting of four vowels instead of four consonants. How about just four letters? Four letters is good enough. Okay. So, Fred Muller continues. Actually, Muller in German would be M-O-Umlaut, it'd be Müller. Müller. Or Müller. Now, um, they, the German, when they translate an umlaut into English, if it's an O, it'll be O-E. If it's U, it'll be U-E. Because we don't have that umlaut sound in English. Anyway, continuing. These vowel points were not created until approximately the 10th century AD as part of the Masoretic text, folks. The very text that has destroyed the name of Yahweh and replaced it with L-O-R-D. The original scrolls lacked vowel pointing. There you go. The original Hebrew lacked vowel pointing. Instead, the original scrolls contained only 22 consonants, as I explained above. That's to save space because they had to to copy these scrolls time and time again. And uh, eliminating the vowels at least cuts the, the copying in half or between one half and one third. By eliminating the vowels, that's a very arduous process to, uh, you know, copy the enormous scroll of the Old Testament. Anyway, let's continue. However, 
Josephus wrote the following concerning the tetragram engraved on the high priest's crown or tiara. And a tiara of fine linen encompassed the head, and it was crowned with hyacinth, around which there was another golden crown bearing the engraved holy letters. And these are four vowels. This appears to be a contradiction, but in Hebrew a few of the letters also functioned as vowels even today. Two of the consonants doubling as vowels are, uh, well, they're jots, a, a, a jot and a tittle, are the squiggle and I, which can be translated as I and O slash U, respectively. Coincidentally, these two letters, I and O, also appear in the Tetragrammaton, hence the reason Josephus referred to them as vowels, okay? So, the letters of the Tetragrammaton, yod heh vav can double as vowels. But they were not written out in the Paleo-Hebrew. They were simply not written out, even though those particular letters did and do double as vowels in Hebrew. Okay. Continuing. Another letter that also used to function as a vowel, but rarely so today, is the letter, well, this is now a block Hebrew. And... In his analysis of the Isaiah Dead Sea Scroll, Fred Muller wrote, quote, Just as the Masoretes invented pointings to indicate vowel sounds, so the Qumran scribes have added some semi-vowels to the text. The use of Yod, Vav, and He are frequent. Source, Names of God, is yod He vav ever transliterated in the Septuagint, Biblical Hermeneutics, hermeneutic stack exchange. Now, it's an interesting point here that in the Septuagint, the earliest versions of the Septuagint, which is the translation of the Paleo-Hebrew scriptures into Greek circa 265 B.C., commissioned by Ptolemy Philadelphus of Egypt, that is a direct translation from the Hebrew into the Greek. Obviously, they had to provide vowels in the Greek. However, in the earliest translations, the Judahite scribes refused to translate the Tetragrammaton into Greek. They left it Yodhe Vavhe in Paleo Hebrew. This is how much. They revered the sacred name Yahweh. Muller continues, I would say, oh, no, actually, no, this is my writing. I would say that Zimmerman is making a mountain out of a dissimulated mole hole, misspelling deliberate because it is actually a black hole of disinformation, having done very little research beyond what he wishes to inculcate. Although Josephus was a pure-blooded Judahite, he was also a soldier in the Roman army. The four vowels comment is interesting, but what does it really mean? All scholars, Jewish, Christian, Aramaic, have stated that the written Hebrew was consonants only. The only exception being Rabbi Zimmerman, who is trying to pull the wool over Christian eyes. The inscription Josephus refers to may have been written in vowels, but the inscription is not biblical. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a quotation from the Bible. As Fred Molly explains, an inscription on a rabbinical tiara is not the same as Exodus 3, 14, and 15. 
So before we get back to Zimmerman, I will again reproduce here the document that he is commenting, that Zimmerman is commenting on. Up to this point, we have only covered the letter Yod. yod he vav he. Okay? So, if you can scroll down to approximately three-quarters of the way down, and this is a document written in Aramaic, and you can see that the Tetragrammaton is very clearly different from the rest of the writing. The Paleo-Hebrew is exceptionally explicit. You can easily make it out, although the, the, the picture has the Tetragrammaton underlined in green to make it easier to decipher or to pick out. But it's clearly, the Paleo-Hebrew clearly stands out within the Aramaic, very clearly. Okay. Now, interestingly, there is a he, he, vav, he without the yod. Now, whether this is actually the, the sacred name, Yahweh, or whether this is a place name, because there was a place name that only had the three letters. Okay. So then, then Zimmerman, trying to pull the wool over our eyes even more, now refers to the second letter which he says looks like a backwards E or backwards F. That's the hey, that's the hey, letter hey, or the eh sound. The next letter almost looks like a Y, and it's true, it almost looks like a Y, but it's not a Y. It's more like a, a double, it's Y with a horizontal stripe through it. So it's clearly not a Y. It's the, Vav of Hebrew. It's the Vav of Hebrew. Now he tries to argue here that this letter looks like a C. <laughs> well, it certainly doesn't look like a C in this in this uh, Aramaic slash Paleo Hebrew document. Uh, it doesn't look anything like a C. What looks like a C is his rendition of the letter, <laughs> right? His version of the letter. Okay which he picked out of the air because he wants to argue that th this letter, the Vav, should be pronounced like an S. But even in English, the letter C did not accrue or develop the S sound until much later in history, I think around 1700 actually. The letter C throughout history before then was pronounced like a letter K, as in Chimerian. Spelled C I M M in English, but still pronounced Chimeria, or in Greek, Chimerioi with, with a K. Okay. So he is doing prestidigitation with the Vav, trying to argue that it actually should be pronounced like an S because he's trying to t turn the Yodhe Vave into Jesus. That's what he's trying to do, folks. It's incredibly how should I put this? It's incredibly bizarre what he's doing here. But it's designed to fool Christians who don't know anything about linguistics and really don't know anything about biblical history either. Okay? So, uh, 
you know, ignorant Christians who read this will think, oh, well, th- this is all plausible, but it really isn't. He is just telling one lie after another, making up one story after another, just like Groucho Marx, <laughs> who said, who said, who do you believe, me or your own eyes? Okay, it's chutzpah, folks. It's nothing but Jewish chutzpah. Okay, so, and so let me, let me elaborate on what he's saying here. Point number three. The next letter almost looks like a Y, he said. No, well, it's not, it doesn't look anything like a Y because it's a tilted and it's got a stripe through it. So I, I guess if you can imagine a slingshot, a Y-shaped slingshot with an extra line right at the Y point, at the focal point of the Y, that's kind of what le- the uh, Vav looks like in Paleo Hebrew. But here, his version of it, it's a rounded, it's got a rounded bottom uh, uh, to the, where it meets the stick of the slingshot, not a V. It's rounded. So it's a, it's a, a if you turn your head sideways, <laughs> if you turn your head sideways, his version of the letter, the top of the letter, not the letter Vav, but the, the top of the slingshot, his version of it looks like a C. If you turn your head sideways. And because it's a C, it says, he, here's what he says. The letter C was sometimes used to represent a sound similar to the S sound. When? When was this, Rabbi Zimmerman? It was not used to create the S sound until the year 1700. <laughs> okay? Certainly not in the Old Testament. All right, so this totally anti and ahistorical document that Zimmerman has produced is so full of bleeping holes that it's unbelievable. Yet people will read this document and believe that yod heh should be pronounced Jesus. Just because he says so, and he's the only one on planet Earth who says so. Okay. So he continues. Oh, actually, my comment here. All right, so I have, uh, first of all, the third letter, Vav, hardly looks like a C. Secondly, a question for Zimmerman. What historical era are you talking about? This is a very important question because you are asserting that the Tetragrammaton contains the S sound so that you can fabricate the word Jesus out of the Tetragrammaton. You have made two assertions about the third letter of the Paleo-Hebrew Yahweh, Vav, which can sound like a V or a W, Wa. And if it sounds like a Wa, that's almost a vowel, Yahweh. After searching the internet on this matter, there is no one else on planet Earth who asserts that the Vav can be pronounced like an S. And here is a good image of the situation that Zimmerman wants you to believe. The Paleo-Hebrew Vav has been converted into a stylized Y with a rounded bottom. Okay, it's still a slingshot, slingshot shape, but it's a rounded V instead of uh, the pointed V 
which is your usual slingshot shape. Okay. So, so he says, V is Latin shape for Greek upsilon. Hebrew letter Y produced Greek upsilon Y. But that's not still not an S. Where does he get the S from? He gets the S from the sideways C, folks. That's where he gets the S sound from. It's incredible. Anyway, my comment here is no S. Amazingly, Zimmerman is asserting that because the top of the letter Vav looks like a sideways C, the top of the letter Vav represents a C, but it's actually pronounced like an S. Really? Very creative linguistics. And this is what rabbis do, folks. This is what rabbis do. They take letters, parts of words, and then reshape the words and the letters to suit their purposes. And then they, they create a, a whole article, <laughs> 50-page article, about their reinvention of the Hebrew alphabet and how they're supposed to be pronounced. It should be obvious to any intelligent person that there is no letter C in the Tetragrammaton. And then the C miraculously becomes an S for some unnamed experts who Zimmerman does not cite. This is, he's probably referring to his sissy co-religionists. Zimmerman started out mocking the so-called experts, but now he invents his own. You should also know the letter C was historically pronounced like a K, as in Keltoy, Chimerian, etc. The letter C did not develop the S sound until around 1700 A.D. Examples. Ceiling. Celery. Centipede, cell. The English Caesar is based on the Latin Germanic Kaiser. Zimmerman is concocting linguistic heresy out of Talmudic cloth. I have to hand it to him. It's, it's very ingenious. Very ingenious. Uh, prestidigitation with letters, shapes of letters, and their, and their pronunciation. So, and... If you're still with me, especially if you're online with the article, again, now we're about three-quarters of the way down. Here is an image of the earliest form of the Tetragrammaton, yod heh vav -Heh. And even the Yod has an additional stripe in it, making it also look somewhat like an E, a backwards E. But you can make out the basic shape of a Y in the Yod. It's just got a couple of uh, attachments on it. So if you get rid of those two attachments, you can clearly see Y, which eventually it became Yod Y. Hey is, is clearly the letter sideways E uh, facing left instead of right, but with a handle on it. Okay, and then the Vav almost looks like, it almost looks like a swastika <laughs> if it had a couple more attachments to it, right? But at best, it looks like a slingshot with a horizontal stripe at the fulcrum point where the V joins the, the rod of the slingshot. Nothing like a C, nothing like an S. None of these letters have anything remotely the shape or sound that Zimmerman claims.
he is concocting a linguistic theory out of Talmudic cloth. Okay. The letters from left to right are hey, vav, hey, yod, because this is backwards. Hey, vav, hey, yod. Notice that the vav does not have the cup shape. This is the original Paleo-Hebrew, folks. There is no cup shape. And it, it doesn't even look like a, a slingshot shape either. Uh, there is no letter in the English language that this comes even close to. Uh, it's, uh, But a slingshot would be the, the absolute closest. You know what? Actually, it represents uh, the, the closest thing to a modern shape is uh, these uh, fl- flossers, uh, like a, a Y-shaped flosser that you clean your teeth with. And it has like a, a little Y at the end of it or it could be a C, that the floss goes, and then you use the handle to floss, you hold it with, and you floss your teeth with. That's the only close modern object I can think of for the Vav. Nothing like a C. He has to concoct a C out of this shape, and then he says it's supposed to be pronounced like an S. Even though in English the letter C was never pronounced like an S until the 1700s. Okay, so let's continue. Now, so this change of pronunciation was a later development. Zimmerman or some other rabbi has stylized the Vav, giving it in the earlier image a nice round cup shape, which is required to convince you that the letter S derives therefrom. More corkscrew rabbinical logic. Even with this later shape, the Vav has, was always pronounced like a V or a W, never like an S. It would be instructive for us to also take a quick look at cuneiform. Here is an image of a clay tablet and the stylus. Okay, because the stylus was used to inscribe the clay while it was still wet. And you can clearly see from the image that most of these cuneiform letters begin with the tip of the stylus being impressed into the clay giving a a fairly deep impression, looking very much like a V. But then they used the stylus to stretch out the letter, almost looking like a golf tee. Most of these letters actually look like a golf tee as the stylus impresses it into the clay. All right, and then so depending on the length of the rod of the the golf tee, it can uh, represent different sounds or different symbols. Okay, a straight impression into the clay gives you a triangle, a plain old triangle. And then now you can see that the vast majority of the, even in the soft clay, are straight lines. There's no C, there's no curved lines. Because when these letters were initially created, they were usually inscribed into rock. The very most ancient writing was inscriptions in hard surfaces like rock. Okay. So my comment here is this. Cuneiform script originally lacked curves because it is an offshoot of inscribing lines on rocks. It is difficult and time-consuming to carve curved lines onto hard rock. This is why ancient letters carved into stone typically lack curved writing. Only in royal writing... Did you see the curves? Because it takes a lot of time to, you know, 
inscribe a curved line, especially a nice-looking curved line, into a hard rock. Cuneiform script dates back to 8,000 B.C. Writing on papyrus was invented in Egypt around 3,000 B.C. This transition to quill and paper, or actually papyrus, made it easier to write curved letters. Naturally, Zimmerman only shows you the highly stylized cup-topped version of the letter Vav, so you can easily be misled. The letter Vav never looked like that ever, folks. Never looked like that. That's his stylized rendition of it to convince you that this is really what it looked like. No, it did not look like It certainly doesn't look like the Paleo-Hebrew version of the letter Vav. Okay? So from the website Hebrew Today, we read concerning the letter Gimel, the Hebrew letter Gimel. The letter Gimel is the third letter in the Hebrew alphabet. The letter is actually the source of the Greek letter Gamma, as you can see by the similarities in the two letters' names. Now here, one of the very few true statements that Zimmerman makes in his article is that the Greek is derived from the Hebrew, but he contradicts himself, sometimes saying vice versa. So, I mean, if you read the whole document, you will see him contradicting himself on several points. But you can see that the Greek letter gamma is based on the Hebrew letter gimel. The English letters C and G are ultimately derived from gimel as well. While the name of the letter remains a mystery, some have speculated that it comes from the word gamal, meaning camel. The English word camel is actually derived from the Hebrew gamal. Because some say the letter looks like a camel, at least a hump on the camel. Whether or not the letter actually looks like a camel, you can use this trick to try to help you learn the Hebrew alphabet and as you try to improve your control of the Hebrew language. While gimel is generally pronounced like a G in gap, some dialects pronounce it differently in certain cases. Now here's an interesting case of the letter C. The word certain begins with the letter C, but is pronounced like an S. And the word cases, right after it, begins with the letter C, and it's pronounced like a K. So this letter C doubles as an S and K sound, depending on the word. Some Yemenite Jews, for example, pronounce it as more of a J in specific cases. So, if Zimmerman wanted to get a letter J into the Tetragrammaton, he would have to get it from the letter Gimel, not from the yod heh not from the letter Vav, or, or the, the Yod, or Y, okay? And the source for this information is the Hebrew letter Gimel, Hebrew today. Still no S. <laughs> so we still don't find a letter S anywhere in Paleo-Hebrew, although it had a letter S. It's not involved in the Tetragrammaton. Note that some Yemenite Jews pronounce the Gimel like a J, but not the Yod. So, but this is only Yemenite Jews who pronounce it like a J. Okay, here is the Britannica entry on the letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the third letter, and which is Gimel. C, third letter of the alphabet, corresponding to Semitic Gimel, which pro probably derived from an early sign for Camel, and Greek Gamma. A rounded form occurs at Corinth, and in the Chalcidic alphabet, okay, but not in the Hebrew alphabet, as Zimmerman is trying to claim. 
And both an angular and a rounded form are found in the early Latin alphabet, as well as in Etruscan. So the Encyclopedia Britannica does not claim that the letter C is in the early Hebrew or Aramaic or anything like that. They're talking about later development of these languages, but not Hebrew or Aramaic. The rounded form survived and became general, and the shape of the letter has since altered little. So, we can see that the rounded form of the letter Gimel was a much later development, but Zimmerman would have you believe that the letter C is derived from the Paleo-Hebrew Vav. I'll bet the other rabbis at Zimmerman's yeshiva are most proud of his letter-twisting antics. Back to our our intrepid wordbender. Okay, so back to his document and his writing. Zimmerman's writing. In some scrolls, it looks more like a U on the top instead of a C. This is Zimmerman speaking. But again, this is only a much later development. But he doesn't point out the eras of history that he's talking about when he's talking about these letters. So we have no idea you know, what time frame he is is discussing. In other scrolls, he says, it looks like an S on top of a stick. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It does not. Here's the symbol, the letter Vav. Early Hebrew, again, it looks like a slingshot. Middle Hebrew, they're saying Middle Hebrew is like that uh, uh, that modern uh, device for cleaning your teeth, right? That's the closest thing that this letter looks like in, in modern. The late Hebrew is just like a, a line with a squiggle to the left. And the modern Hebrew, which is Jewish Hebrew, it's even a smaller squiggle, okay? Now he says... <laughs> Now, here is what what this website has to say about the development of the Vav. The Vav became the letter F in Greek and the letter F in Roman or Italian. Okay? No S. No C. Vav sounds more like an F. Vav, 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 Vav. Its natural development would be from V to F, not C or S, as Zimmerman falsely claims. Okay? So, for the reason stated above, the earliest form of Vav was a simple Y shape, without curves, because curves were difficult to inscribe on rock. However, as you can see, this letter became the Greek F, not an S, and still no J. So, Zimmerman's attempt to get the word Jesus out of Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh is pure, elaborate fiction, or, as we have come to know it, chutzpah, chutzpah. He's lying in your face, and you're, you're supposed to believe him because he's a Jew. All right, so then he says, this is not a Y like we use today in English, and also not the Yod they use in Assyrian Arabic. There is no such thing as Assyrian Aramaic. There's only Aramaic. And the Assyrians adopted Aramaic to replace their cuneiform. 
And then he says, if we look at all four letters of the divine name and render this as only a U sound without any consonant sound, then we would have a four vowel sound together, which would be impossible to speak as a name. Now, this is not true. As I pointed out earlier, you can get all four vowel sounds, I, A, I, U, A, E, I, O, U. And you can pronounce those as a word. In fact, it would become, here, here, I give an example. The four vowel sounds can still be pronounced like Yawa or Yewa because the U can be pronounced like a Y. So his, he's saying it's impossible to pronounce such a word, but it's not impossible. Just like the word we in French consists of three vowels. The fact is that some letters, he says, represented both vowel and consonant sounds. Thank you. Such as is true with the first letter. Like, yeah, but it's true of all four letters. Actually, it's only three letters. Language and how to write was constantly evolving and continues to evolve even to this day. But we're talking about the original Paleo-Hebrew here. But he's trying to argue that the original Paleo-Hebrew should be pronounced Jesus. That's what he's saying. In ancient times, he says, they were having a problem determining how to write sounds such as this sound of the S sound in combo with the U sound. No, they weren't. <laughs> they weren't having any such problem at all. This is a pure invented argument by Zimmerman. Because there was no S sound, and there was no C sound, and there was no J sound. So, would it ever be possible that you have difficulty combining the S and the U if they existed in those t times as us or Sue? He continues, therefore, it sometimes looked like a U and sometimes looked like an S. Not true. He's simply making this up. Even the symbols he has in his own graphics don't look anything like a U and an S. <laughs> Nothing like it whatsoever. So my comment here is, this is not true. The U never looked like an S. More Meshuggah logic from Zimmerman. Meshuggah is a Yiddish word for crazy. Idiotic. I once worked for a Jewish woman in Chicago who named her cat Meshuggah. That's how I know what the word means. <laughs> Not that I'm Jewish or anything. Mr. Meshugana derives the S from a U on a stick. The rabbis love to play games with words and letters. Finally, number four. Then the final letter is the backward E again. Now, how do you get E? How do you get an S? Or a U out of E. Well, let's see. Let's let's give it the old Yiddish try here. He continues. So in conclusion, we have the four letters J-E-U-E or J-E-S-E. -E, but the truth, this is pure nonsense, folks. There's no G. There's no J. And the E is, we, uh, yeah, hey. 
So that could be pronounced like an E, right? But it's a short, yeah. Not E as in Jesus, but Jesus. You could go there, Jesus. Jesus was a very common expression of his name in the early days of Latin, Greek, and other languages. Okay. But he says the truth is that the Hebrew sound of the third letter would need to be represented by two English letters for us modern-day speakers. Well, yeah, because because they, there was no S, <laughs> right? So you have to insert the yes. But what Zimmerman is doing, he's making the S up out of chutzpah, chutzpah cloth. That's all this is. It's pure chutzpah by Zimmerman. Okay, so then he says, J-E-U-E or J-E-S-E is the original four letters of written for the creator's name. This is total nonsense. Absolute nonsense by Zimmerman. So question, where does the second S of Jesus come from? Answer me this, please. <laughs> because There's two S's in Jesus, not just one. Okay, where does the second S come from? All right. I think the Jews have a love affair with the letter S because it looks like a snake and it has the hissing sound of a snake. Remember, he says, remember that the third letter has both an S and U sound. No, it doesn't. He's simply making this up. I comment here, so we must invent a letter since there is no real one. There's an invented word for you. Do you know what it means? Well, Zimmerman's fictitious rules of grammar require that a letter which looks like a Y must be twisted into both a U and an S. Quite an act of linguistic prestidigitation. Then he says, J-Z-U-E is also pronounced with two syllables. J-Z-U. Now, Yezu is the later form of Yahshua but certainly not the form of Yahweh. You cannot get the S or a J out of Yahweh. My comment here, don't the rabbis teach that the name of God is unpronounceable? <laughs> this must be it. This is the unpronounceable name of Yahweh. But the Jews hate the word Jesus just as much as they hate the word Yahweh. The only reason why Zimmerman is going to all this effort to bury the name of Yahweh is to, to gratify Christians. That's all this is. This entire article by Zimmerman is nothing but, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, patronization. It's patronization of Christians. That's all it is, folks. Then he says, the first syllable sounds like the plural of the letter G. Wait a minute. The letter G has a plural? <laughs> Since when do letters have plurals? Words have plurals. Letters have plurals? I don't get it, folks. Uh, there's a lot in this argument that, that I don't get. It takes a lot of analysis and chutzpah. Now, wait a minute, I say. A letter has a plural form? What? As in saying the sentence Google, or maybe the word giggle, has two G's, but the, that's not the plural of a letter. <laughs> it has two, two. The letter, 
the word has two letter G's. In fact, the word giggle has three. Anyway, then he continues, but it would not be correct to write the letter G into this name, but it has the sound. Oh, G, is he, is he saying that the letter G sounds like a J instead of a G, as in grab or go? So my comment here is, so it would not be Talmudic to write the letter G for the G sound because we must have an S sound. But I think if you unravel the letter G, you can twist, and this is a capital S, even a small small case G can be unraveled into an S. But that's just playing with letters. does not make the G sound like an S. Makes perfect Talmudic sense to me. Then he says, the second syllable continues and confirms the S sound of the plural of the G sound. Now, again, this is pure nonsense. Actually, the G doesn't look somewhat like a, doesn't, it does look somewhat like a coiled snake. <laughs> that's, that's the image that the Jews worship because they worship Satan. There's what the letter S comes from. So, and then he says, and then moves on to the short U sound for the word us. Without the final S, he says, of the word S. And my comment here is because there is no S. <laughs> the S, the S be silent. I am so doubled over, I think I'm going to lose my lunch. Anyway, thus he says, we have the total sound of G S U Jesu without a long U, but rather with a short U sound. Oh really? Okay. So you can see very plainly that Zimmerman is simply making up these rules of language on the spot to take advantage of the linguistic ignorance of Judeo Christians. That's what this guy is doing. And then he he gives a final shot at the yot, yota, iota character. Could be used to have either the J sound or the E or I sound, depending on the other sounds within the word. No, absolutely not. There was no J in any language until the 1700s. Although the J, the J sound did occur in Italian in the year 1524 when it was made up, completely made up. And so we can see that Zimmerman is doing his utmost to corkscrew letters into shapes to create the, his pronunciation of Jesus out of Yodhe Vavhe. There's not a, a logical argument, a logical connection. In anything Zimmerman says about these letters, no logic whatsoever. It's all corkscrew twisting of letters into shapes that may sound like S and J today, but they certainly did not sound that way then. Okay. He says, remember that the U is short, not long, and is the same short U as in the sound of us. Well, no. Yodhe Vavhe does not sound like S, and it does not sound like J either. 
So my comment here is, there you have it, folks, a Jewish Jesus, or should it be a Jewish Jesuit? The problem with Zimmerman is that he forces numerous letters to have sounds that are non-existent. Certainly in the days when yod heh vav was created. And then he says, as I have proven, it is more accurate to place ancient Greek pronunciations upon Paleo-Hebrew. No, it isn't. Because the Greek is based on the Hebrew, not vice versa. And then Zimmerman, you have proven no such thing. Tisk tisk. What you have proven is your sly ability to twist words and letters with serpentine logic into Jesuit or Jesuit lies. I can make up words too. All right, folks, this is, I think I'm going to do one more episode on this to just bring home his inventiveness. This is chutzpah inventiveness. And uh, there's no doubt about it that uh, Zimmerman is a good Jewish liar. A good Jewish liar. Very inventive. I have to give him credit for being inventive, but uh, it's it's absolutely asinine. Asinine and Meshuggah, what he's doing here with the Hebrew language, trying to convert it into English. All right. Okay, so that's it for today, because this is, you, you really have to hand it to Zimmerman for being, uh, what is it? if you tell a really big lie, it's more believable than if you tell little lies. Well, he tells big lies and little lies in this document. And some of them are actually quite clever if you if you don't know the history of all of these languages, which he clearly does not. He does not know the history, and he's inventing his own history. He's, he's actually inventing his own Paleo-Hebrew language out of chutzpah. That's what he's doing. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Praise Yahweh and pass the ammunition. The Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James.